Emmanuel. Um, and we just want to thank uh, the Lord for this remembering this the term Emmanuel and uh, Elizabeth input that it was only mentioned three times in the scripture. And thank you, Jeff. It was only mentioned three times in, in scripture um, because in the Old Testament is God with us, but God was wanted to be more than just with us. He made it possible that he would be in us. That was the next step, the indwelling. And so um, as we come this morning, we definitely want to stay within the mindset of Jesus Christ's return and what all of that, uh, his um, entry and what it's all, it's all about. We want to lay some foundations for us. Um, so let's bow in prayer. Father, lead and guide us in our time together. May everything that's said and done be pleasing and honoring in your name. Great is your faithfulness. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. We, uh, as we enter into this whole idea of uh, maintaining a meaningful Christmas, uh, that's my desire, that we as individuals, oh, it's going to be Christmas, but my desire is that we have a very meaningful Christmas. When that idea, is, when that concept is lost, then you're bent out of shape if you don't get a present. You've been out of shape if somebody doesn't show up. Some folks hate Christmas because they, they, they have to be with the family, but they don't like the family. But they're going to be with the family, then they're going to argue while they're there. And it's a, it's a Christmas thing of family arguments, but it's a tradition to meet on Christmas, to celebrate Jesus Christ's birth. So it becomes a whole different thing. And so... As we uh, look at scripture, we want to take from last week, and then we want to plow into a few ver verses from last week to bring out three very important things we need to walk away with Christmas on. I think it's very important. And so um, we start off with the verse. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the end. I, I think that's very important. We'll be um, really harping on this because that's the key. Okay. So in our introduction, we talked about our Christmas has been terribly distorted and commercialized to fit the hedonistic society that we live in. This self-seeking, loving society, we self-loving society that we live, live in, commercialized society that we live in. I mean, companies are now, forget about the Friday, they have put it all the way up to uh, the last, we'll get it to you uh, on uh, Saturday night before midnight. All you have to do just, now that the uh, internet is open, I mean, we'll get that to you. Just order it, whether it's Amazon, whoever, we just Whatever you want, we'll get it to you. And then they assess the whole thing. And you think that after they finish that, they re relax? No, now they're talking about after Christmas sale, before Christmas even took place. Because it was never about Christmas. It was about money. 
And so you define that this is this is a society that we live in. But we don't have to be wrapped up in that and miss it. You know what? The thing that breaks God's heart is not what the world is doing. It's what we as believers are doing. You're out there breaking your neck in that line and all these other things. And then many believers, as I said before, some have canceled morning worship so that they can have Christmas on Saturday so that they can have their, um, I mean, worship on Saturday so they can have their Christmas on Sunday. And I said, wow. And the Lord said, now that's a slap in the face. The cross made it possible for your Sunday See, and the Christmas only to let you know I got here. The cross let you know I done it for you, and so you flip it so that you can get all the presents. So, so if there was a present on on Easter, they were, they were giving out presents on Easter. They would have flipped that on Saturday too. That's what we live in. So our aim to encourage us to stand firm, being the keepers and proclaimers of the truth. The keepers and proclaimers of the truth. That regardless of what the world does, we must be persistent. There's that word. And we are the keepers. God is, is, God is, in, is in trusting into us to be the keepers and proclaimers of the truth. Not a truth. The truth. So I outline very simple. Three words. The first one, what is it? Remember. Second word. Rejoice. The next one, rededicate. Those are the three things. The first thing I want you to do is to remember. The next thing, one part, the next part of Christmas we want you to do is rejoice. And then the next thing that's important is that you rededicate. Don't, don't walk into God's presence and worship him and there's no change in your life. So then he wants us to remember, rejoice, and rededicate. So we get right to it. The first one is remember. And so we come to back to the scriptures again to, to read it. And we start with the first verse. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when our Aquinas uh, was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each of his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Uh, interesting about these, these uh, locations, when you talk about Nazareth, Nazareth was like a, almost like a ghetto. You know, at least that's what they folks thought about. Anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, uh, that was the statement that was made. You know, uh, nobody see it. It was, a, it was a nobody place. And so Joseph uh, come out of Nazareth. He goes to Bethlehem. Bethlehem um, is called the house of bread, of bread, okay? Bethlehem. This word heme, the last word there, the last word here on heme, whenever God puts his, his stamp on it, he always put the heme on it, okay? And so it's, so it's Bethlehem, house of bread, a house of uh, uh, bread of, of God. And so they go up to this particular place at, uh, from the lineage of David. Very historical. And the scripture says then, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. All these verses are running out of our ears this year. You hear it over and over again. It's in songs. It's in everything else. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Now, let's get theological, okay? The, the first thing that we want to do is that we have a divine obligation to remember God, our Father, and live with the boundaries, uh, within the boundaries of his uh, will and way. When it says that um, Jesus Christ was, was born, the Christ child lying in a manger is a reminder that God's love was by choice, not by chance. When the Christ child showed up, God says, this was not an accident. I predicted it. It was going to happen. There was a lot of things that had to happen for that to take place. There was a lot of things that had to happen in the spiritual world and physical world that had to take place. Jesus Christ lying in the manger should remind us that he gave us a gift because we were sinners with no inclination to repent. He didn't give us a gift because we were his children. He didn't give us a gift because he loved us. He gave us a gift even when we were not even worthy of it. Even when somebody else, have you ever just walked out and just gave a person a gift in the neighborhood? Well, God so loved the world that he gave. But it was such an important gift. And that's why I said we get theological on it because the, the, the gift is, Jesus Christ's child lying in the manger was a visual display of his commitment and promise of our redemption. When Jesus Christ showed up, God says, the only hope for man, according to my holiness, my righteousness, is that another man or a man who has no sin comes up and his blood is shed. And there's, without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission of sin. And there's no one, there was no one in the universe because God had made a, de a declaration. The declaration was this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, what's that verse again? All have what? And come what? That means that no man, I don't care how good looking you are, how smart you are, how intelligent you think you are, no man says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God says, you come short. And so then what God did says, because that happened, he says, I'm going to make something happen myself. And so what God did is the production of the incarnation, this incarnate coming into the flesh, and we call it in, in the classroom the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union is perfect God, perfect man, fused forever in order to accomplish his goal for us. Once he died on the cross of Calvary, he didn't just go back to being God. Whatever, when God, when, remember in, um, in Ecclesiastes, whatever God does, it is forever Nothing can be added to it or nothing can be taken away. When God decided to become man, listen carefully, God decided his love was so deep and so strong for us that when he came, became man, he was fused, 
accepted to be perfect man and perfect God, never to be separated again apart from the two. So then when you see in glory, you'll always see Jesus Christ. You will not see a body that he used and he, and he tossed away. No, 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 no. God never creates something and it ceases to happen. And so what happens here is that the hypostatic union between God and man was once and for all established for each one of us. We need to remember this. When I see that when we celebrate the birth child, then I'm saying, Lord, thank you for the visual uh, uh, lesson of the hypostatic union. You say, oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. How do I know? Not starting at the cross, but at the cradle. When God decided to become, come into the flesh and then decide to, to be both perfect God and perfect man at the same time, I'll never, I'll never be able to comprehend this. Never. Number one, I don't know what perfect, I mean, I don't know what perfect God is. See, I, he's infinite. And then he's perfect man. You see? And he's, he's fused into this in order and he decided to be like this for 30-something years for us. Something 33. For a certain amount of years for us until he died on the cross of Calvary. Then he was made a mass of bloody flesh. And then he became, get this now, he became sin for us. That we become the righteousness of God. Now, don't ever Blame God for anything. When you see the extent of his love, the extent of his, his great, how he had gone to secure us and to turn around and blame him, either it's ignorance or you don't know him. And so we find here the product of the incarnation of the hypostatic union. And so when I think about a meaningful Christmas, the meaningful Christmas is Jesus Christ, in agreement with the Godhead, came into the flesh in the form of a babe. He did everything a baby did. He wasn't a baby that this was kept quiet all night. He did everything a baby would do. See, I said, well, he was God. He was still a. He was perfect God, perfect man. He cried like a baby. He wanted to, to uh, eat like a baby and all of these other things. He was a baby. And those mothers who know what babies do, this is what baby, this, he was a baby. And he grew up. He went through the whole thing as a young man. The only difference is he never ceased to be God. I'll never understand it. <laughs> Neither will you. All I know is that it's wrapped up in the word love. And guess what? We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brother. Do you know what it means to actually love someone? That when they mess up on you, whether they apologize or not, you do not change who you are. And I'm so glad that God did not change who he was. Because what we had was God's love and his grace. His grace 
and his mercy. The next thing we have is rejoice. The, the, the word rejoice here, we see a couple of things. Rejoicing is a historical established a response to a loving and merciful uh, act of God towards sinful man. Why should I rejoice? Well, let's look historically. Mary rejoiced because she was chosen to become the human means for the divine intervention and hope for the whole world. Oh, she rejoiced and said, Lord, you mean to tell me that what Israel is looking for all of these years, I'm the one? And she rejoiced and she thanked God that that would, would take place. She rejoiced and she called God her Savior. There, there are individuals who worship Mary. And Mary should not be worshipped. She should be remembered. Okay. But Mary was a sinner just like us. Remember, all have sinned. Okay. It comes short of the glory of God. Mary, if Mary, Mary, they say Mary is a saint. Yes, we are saints too. Saint means, the word saint means to be set apart. You have been set apart into God's family. There's something else that took place. The angels rejoiced because they knew who was born. Mary rejoiced because he had come. The angels rejoiced because you don't know what you're getting, folks. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to man. What they have experienced, in, I don't know how long the angels have been created. Age have not been attached to them. But they have been experiencing God's glory. They have been experiencing all this time. They said now God's glory is coming to to man, and they were so excited, and they said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward man. And so the angels rejoiced because they knew the significance of getting God's favor and love and purpose directed toward individuals. And God has a purpose and love for each one of you all's life. Don't let the storms, don't let the mishaps um, uh, wash that away. So remember your theology. God became perfect man, perfect God. Then the next thing is you have the shepherds rejoice because they have heard and were blessed to see the generational hope of Israel and the whole world. You have, you have three aspects of rejoicing here. Mary, who gave the child. The angels, who know who the child is. And the shepherds, boy, they're out in the, in the field, minding their own business. And then they have an explosion. A couple of things happen. First, they had a visual explosion where angels show up. And that dark, black Judean night lights up. And these angels are saying, glory to God in the highest. And then so they have a theological thing, both verse in front of them. Then the next thing that happens is they go to the cradle and they see the Christ child that all of Israel is looking for. And as I said last week, they didn't go back to their sheep. They went around the countryside telling, oh, you should have, you should have seen what we have seen. We've seen the Christ child. We see, and another thing that if you keep reading, will you see what the response was? The people wondered, but didn't say anyone went over to see who it was. They, they, they wondered about it. They mused about it, but nobody actually checked out the facts. 
But these guys, they knew that there was something great going on, and they went away rejoicing. And just for the record, during that time, quote, the three kings didn't show up because there was not three kings. The Bible did not say three kings. It said the kings from the east. And the kings showed up to, as a matter of fact, it's not a king. It says wise men. The Bible never said kings. The wise men showed up two years later, and Mary and Joseph is in the house and not in the stable. But they have mixed, the world have mixed up all of this. So you got the, you have the wise men, the shepherd, and everything, everybody that's coming around that stable, and this messing up the whole story. But if you, if you read it right, God says, well, that's not how it's set up. That's not how it's set up. It says, here's, it says, get this now. God is, God is so excited in what he wanted to share, but it's how he shared it. He didn't share it with a, a world full of sinners. He just got a, a bunch of faithful people in different places and made a grand announcement. And this grand announcement did not shake the earth, but it was quiet. It's amazing. When you have an oak tree, you start off with a small seed. You drop it in the ground. Nobody knows that you dropped it there. You bury it. Folk be walking over it and everything else, but as it stays there, it grows. And as it grows, it becomes tall and it becomes strong. And here's the rule of growth. The taller it is, the stronger it becomes. And the whole idea is this, that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins. Why should we rejoice? Let's read it together. Because there are biblical foundational facts that have been documented and preserved to validate the truth. I should rejoice because I, I had the facts. You mean to tell me that you had a truth and you don't rejoice over the truth? You know, we've become so uh, conditioned that the only thing that we rejoice are in is something that we can physically enjoy. See? And the Lord says, I want you to rejoice in the truth. And the truth is that I have come. When you grab a, grab a hold of the truth, if the Lord has come, he's also coming back again. And when he comes back again, is for our redemption and taking us uh, home, rather. Because this was not God's finished work, only his next step and sure means of, of forgiving our sin, destroying the work of Satan, glorifying himself, and securing our salvation based, uh, based on the act of a divine uh, sacrifice. So th this is the whole idea, that God did this because this was not God's finished work. It was only the beginning of it. Here's, here's a passage of scripture. In the first John 3, 8, let's read it together. What does it say? Now read this other part. The reason that the Son of God appeared was what? I thought it was for myself. Oh, yeah, it was for your salvation. <laughs> See. 
But you see, it also says that he can destroy, that he will destroy the works of the devil. We look in the book of James, it gives you five reasons why Jesus Christ came. Five. But we see now that all of these boils down to one thing. Number one, to secure our salvation, God always keeps his promise. Always. Don't worry about the time. He always keeps his promise. If we're not rejoicing, maybe it's because the same thing that keeps us from growing and witnessing has not been removed from our life. Well, why aren't why, why is it that I'm not rejoicing? Then maybe, no. Then what is the blockage that keeps me from rejoicing? Why can't I rejoice about Jesus Christ being born? Why is why isn't that my heart is not jumping? Why isn't that I'm not grateful? Why is it that I can go through this day? Do the things that, quote, you do on Christmas and then go the next day and forget that this day for another whole year. How is it that what caused me to do this? What is it in me that can shut Jesus down like this? And that's where we have to really look at and say, Lord, help us to remove whatever it is that that keeps us from rejoicing in your perfect work. Whatever God does is perfect. We've been patient. So we come to the last one. Rededicate. What is it? What are the necessary steps? And as we go through the necessary steps, number one, recognize where you are. I'm not talking about, <laughs> well, I'm here at church. No, no. Recognize where you are. Don't you know that you would not be hearing me if it wasn't for Jesus Christ down on the cross of Calvary? If it wasn't for the cross of Calvary, I wouldn't know any of you. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be even speaking. I don't know where I would be. Recognize where you are. Where you are is because of who Jesus Christ is. Recognize it. Because when you recognize it, you establish it and you don't forget it. Number two, read it. What does it say? It's according to the calling of God on your life. Readjust, uh, readjust your priorities according to the calling of God on your life. I don't know what your priorities are. How many of you really, really, and I, you don't have to raise up your hand, though. How many of you really? Said, Lord, I am adjusting my priorities according to uh, your will, your way in my life. If not, then remember when it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable, the most that's my reasonable service is to put it all on the altar. And the question is, is your all, is your all on the altar? Number three, realign your will to the will of God. Jesus Christ said in, in the Garden of Eden, 
Lord, nevertheless, not my will. Now, this is Jesus speaking. <laughs> it's not my will, Lord, but your will be done. I think it's so important that we get to the point of saying, Lord, it's not me, but it's you. It's you. Um, four, speak with verbal words your decision to God and make it an irrevocable commitment. Now, don't just it. Speak it. Some of us have a tendency to forget. So don't just think it and speak it. Write it down. You know, some, some things that you don't want to forget, say, boy, you know, let, let me write this down. See? I said, listen, I'm going to give you $10,000 and you have to get it within, within um, uh, a half an hour once you leave here. Here is the address. You ready? Let me write it down. Now, why do you want to write it down? I don't want to forget it. Why do you want to forget it? Because I missed out on $10,000. See, whatever is important to you, you make it your business to remember it. And, and here's, here's what Ecclesiastes says. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, you're the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Then, then speak it out. Your words mean a whole lot. God wants you to speak it. When you pray, well, I'm just praying in your mind, my mind. God wants you to speak it out. That's why he gave you a mouth. Speak it out. Pray to, to the Lord. He wants to hear you. He, wants to, he gave you a voice. Praise the Lord that you have a voice. There's some folks who wish they can, they can, they can speak or uh, and they can't. So speak it out. Speak it out. One last thing. You've been very patient. It's my desire that we have a very meaningful Christmas that will give us substance to a Merry Christmas. A Merry Christmas is, is pictured as God our Father being glorified by the expression of our thanks for his loving provision for our sins and an eternal relationship with himself through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A Merry Christmas is pictured as God our Father being glorified by the expression of our thanks. <laughs> a lot of folks say, have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> I wonder if, if anybody turned around and said, Lord, I want you to have a Merry Christmas. I want you to be glorified. I want you to understand I'm thankful for all you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will be doing in and through my life. Don't let this day go past that you take a moment and remember the, remember the guy who, uh, the leopard, all the others uh, went away doing their own thing, and one turned around. It didn't, it didn't, didn't, take, a, it didn't take, a, take an hour or, or, or 20 minutes. He just, he just turned around and went back to Jesus. He knew where Jesus was. He went back to Jesus. He fell down and he worshipped him. And Jesus Christ accepted his worship, but he said, um, were they not 10? Oh, he kept count. <laughs> were there not so many folks at Chicago Land Bible Fellowship? <laughs> you mean to tell me that they went through coming to morning worship and Sunday school and some of the other things, and you mean to tell me that in their schedule they didn't have enough time just to take a couple of minutes 
to say, Lord, I thank you for who you are and what you're doing in my life. Thank you for the, the, the birth of Christ. Thank you for his death on the cross. Thank you for my future. Thank you for a relationship. Thank you for all the blessings. Then you list all of the things you have. You can see and hear and, and eat. Talking about, talking about food and tasting food. and everything. You have all of these things. And there's some folks in the hospital that wish they had some of those things going for you, for them. At least stop and say thanks. If not, guess what? This day, the time will slip away. And this day will close. I don't think there'll be any thunder or lightning. I don't think any rocks will fall. I don't think any angels will come and smack you down. You know the thing that got me saved? I knew the word. The thing that really got me saved was I knew what God would do, and he was silent concerning me. And I was scared. I knew that God would do. I went to the Billy Graham crusade and everything else. And at the Billy Graham crusade, the song was just as I am without one plea. I had my little leather coat on and everything else. I, I, I walked forward to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, just as I am. And the Lord is saying this morning, I'm not asking you right now to give up anything. I'm just asking you to recognize what I have done and worship me. And God said, I have to pry worship not out of sinners but out of saints. And I say, this, break, this breaks God's heart. To you parents, don't you know what it means to have ungrateful children? That you do so much for them, and they always want more, but never takes time to say thank you for all you have done. I trust that this will not be in your life. <coughs> Excuse me. And so as we close this morning, is my, my prayer as we consider this. And it says, for Ezra has set his heart to study the law of God and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules of Israel. Then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Lord, I'm going to just stay right there in your word. And I'm going to remember something. I'm going to remember the day that you showed up wrapped in swaddling clothes. Laid in a manger. I'm going to remember all the things you have done for me. You started at the cradle. You were crushed at the cross. But now you're coming back as conquering king. My prayer is that uh, we make some rededications. And at least today, at least today, stop for a moment to say, Lord, I praise you. For all you have done, are doing, and will do in my life. Thank you for giving your son on my behalf. As we bow in prayer, thank you, Lord, for the saints. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Luke. As it tells us, Lord, to remember, to rejoice, 
to rededicate. And anything that keeps us from doing rededicating, any blockages, Lord, please help us to, rem to remove it right now out of our lives. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And all the saints said.